0: Uh, Colossians chapter 2, which I hope, I was looking around, there don't seem to be a lot of Bibles in here for some reason, but uh, if you've got a Bible handy, um, if you could open it at um, Colossians chapter 2, it's on page um, 957, but otherwise um, you can follow it on the screen. Colossians 2, verses 6 through to 15. It's entitled, Fullness of Life in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against him with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made an example of them, triumphing over them in it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: God. We're doing everything a bit out of order because John's got to go off to the Chinese service afterwards. I thought I was going to have to fight you for the uh, lectern. Would you like me to pray for you? Oh, that'd be great. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great preaching we have here week after week and uh, how almost every Sunday we go home with something to think about and enrich our Christian life. We thank you for John's gifts of communication. Uh, We pray that we'll see them manifest today as we listen to him, as he opens your word to us. Bless his ministry in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Kevin, and um, thanks, Michael, good to have Michael and Fiona back. Um, I don't think you should go away for so long next time, or maybe put in a leave form. we're beginning a new series uh, today, which is based on our new vision for St. Thomas. Uh, last year, if you were here for St. Thomas' Day, I kind of highlighted what the new vision was going to be and that we'd be working on it with parish council through this year and a new mission action plan. Uh, now there's some detail of that in our today's newsletter, so you can read about that. Now, the vision has basically remained the same as what I had spoken about last year, just we've kind of swapped some words around a little bit. Our vision is that we're a people living, growing, serving, and proclaiming in Christ. For our series, we're going to be looking at each of those kind of words, living, growing, serving, proclaiming, and what it means to do those in Christ, now, when I started at St. Thomas's, which is about three and a bit over three and a half years ago, I was really fortunate to have a ministry coach appointed by the diocese. I'm so grateful um, because this ministry coach was just excellent, insightful, and met with me regularly, and all it cost me was a cup of coffee. Uh, it was a great investment. I'm, I praise God for that. Well, on our last session, uh, I was discussing with the coach. Um, my thinking around vision and purpose, uh, both for myself and uh, for St. Thomas's. And the words in Christ were preeminent. Now, I can't remember exactly what I was saying to the coach, but he kind of drilled down and asked a few questions of me and said, Why in Christ? Why is that your focus? And I think I must have lit up, I just began to enumerate the ways, and uh, he, seeing my passion, responded that I needed to use that for the possible vision and purpose. Well, over the course of my Christian life, and in particular probably in the last decade, uh, it's those two words that have become really important for me. For my ongoing life and my self understanding for my identity. If I have anything to give you here at St. Thomas's, it comes from me being in Christ and it comes from living in Christ. And if there's something that I want to learn from you here at St. Thomas's as part of you, I want to learn about being in Christ as we reflect that to one another. Now, sorry if that sounds kind of abstract. I'm hopeful that this vision series uh, will help us get a a kind of a deeper understanding of what it means to be in Christ. Now, our passage today. In verse 6, Paul stresses these great words, continue to live your lives in him. Continue to live your lives in him. That exhortation has got to be the heart of what Paul is saying in his letter here. It's also the heart of our vision, to be a people living out that exhortation from Paul. What the Apostle Paul says in verses six and seven act as a great focus for us and our ongoing lives as Christians. I think for years, perhaps a couple of decades into my Christian life, I understood that when you become a Christian, you're of course saved by grace. But that's when the hard work begins after that, of trying to please God, of wrestling with sin, of trying to imitate Christ's high moral standard. Imagine um, being given the uniform of an elite athlete and then told that you're going to have to perform at their level. Now, for most of you uh, and for me, probably just fitting into their uniform, would be a bridge too far, let alone uh, trying to achieve their performance level. How much more to imitate Christ, who is spiritually, morally, and with all virtue, far beyond our attainment. We're always going to fail. So why does Paul call us to live in him, Now that word live, actually the original word is walk, walk in him, but uh, that's a real biblical kind of idiom. Uh, Live in him is a very good translation. Live your lives in him. If you uh, were to look up Psalm number one, you'd see words like this, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. All of that is conveying that you're living your life like that. And so when the Bible talks about walking in Christ, it means everything about your thinking, about your acting, the way you see people, it's all in Christ. It's to be like Jesus Christ. So why does Paul call us to live in him when we are nowhere near fit enough, spiritually, morally speaking? Well, he does answer that question in many of his letters. You could point to so many different parts of it. And most of us, I think, um, would think about his teaching on the Holy Spirit. You'd go to Romans 8 or something. A Christian has the Holy Spirit come into their life who makes Christ real to them and real in them, bringing transformation. But the passage before us, Paul lists off a bunch of passive verbs in relation to Christians. Now, I'm sure you know this, but passive verbs is what happens to you rather than what you do. Um, Paul says, firstly, of Christ, in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And then he makes this really startling claim which should take our breath away, and you have come to fullness in him. You have come to fullness in him. Paul then lists off these passive verbs I spoke about. In other words, he's making the claim that in Christ, things have happened to the new believer which has left them transformed. Uh, just look at one of those passive verbs, it's in uh, verse 13. God made you alive together with him. It's something that God has done to you, a Christian. Now, those four words are just one word in the Greek. They like to kind of jam things together. Made you alive together. It's beautiful. Now, I think I got this as a new Christian. I knew that when I'd become a Christian, something fundamentally had changed within me. And I welcomed that change. The difficulty, though, was when I sinned, that I still struggled. The difficulty was when that feeling of love and joy dissipated, where I felt, where is Christ? How do we continue to live in him when the going gets tough? When we see or feel no likeness of Christ within us, Well, Paul points us to the answer in verse 7, but I'm going to read out uh, along with verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving." Rooted, that, that first, being rooted in Christ, that metaphor is really quite apt. For we understand plants, don't we? we? We know that they drink and they feed from their roots through the soil. To continue to live in Christ, we don't simply seek to imitate him. We need to feed and drink from him, from his being, from who he is. Now, to bore you with just a bit more grammar... This verb, rooted, is in what's called the perfect tense, which means it is something that has happened uh, for a Christian. A Christian has been rooted into Christ already. That's where you're going to be nourished from. All the nourishment from God spiritually comes from being rooted into Christ. Now, what does that look like? Well, through the years, I've... Then turning to Christ for what is lacking in my life, and I know I've brought this uh, probably up a few times, but for instance, when I've felt down about my faithfulness to God, I must rely on his faithfulness to me. Therefore, I'm feeding on Christ, knowing that he will forgive me and cleanse me of all my sins. Um, a few weeks ago, our church was written up in the in the newspaper, or in The Sun and in the local news, and about the noise complaints that we had gone through and going to VCAT, won't bore you with the details, but I remember reading that and I just felt like, this doesn't paint a good picture. This isn't exactly right. And I felt kind of indignation within myself as, and, and my thoughts just kind of fixated on, on how angry I was about Certain things that were said. And I just couldn't kind of get rid of it. You know, when you're fixated on something and you just wish you weren't? So I was praying and I began to think about Christ at his trial and his silence against all the accusations that were unjust and how he endured it and was able to remain silent. And I prayed about that. I'm in Christ. His spirit is within me. I want to know that poise to be able to remain silent despite being accused wrongly. As I did that, I felt peace and my mind was set free to go and wander about other things. Uh, just uh, in that kind of weak, I was speaking uh, with a a young woman from the church here who um, felt there was something spread about her by an ex-partner that was malicious, it was unkind, and it was done publicly, and it was humiliating. And she was obviously very upset about it, and in speaking with her, she said, but then I thought about Christ suffering humiliation on his way, uh, carrying the cross on his way to his crucifixion. I just had to think about that. And that's where she found her peace. Feed upon Christ. You have been rooted into him. Now Paul changes the tense of the verb, built uh, up in him. He says a Christian is built up. And the tense has changed from the previous one. He now uses what's called a present or a continuous tense, meaning that a Christian is to be continually built up in Christ. And the verb there has what's called a prefix to it, which is epi. It means built upon Christ. The Christian life is built upon something. Of course, it is built upon Jesus' teaching, teaching, um, but what's conveyed here is that a Christian life is built upon founding traditions. This points us back to verse 6. That's why I included verse 6 with 7, where Paul says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now, scholars note that word received is actually a, a, a technical sense there. It mean, it's pointing to the traditions that have been received from them, the teaching about Christ Jesus, the Lord, and what they said at their baptism. Tom Wright says, it points to the transmission of teaching from one person or generation to another. During this past week, the historian John Dixon launched his new book called Is Jesus History? And he's had some media attention. Um, He was interviewed by Miff Warhurst on the... um, uh, ABC program, and one of Myth's, Myth's uh, questions to him was, why are there so many versions of Jesus? Why does he mean so many different things to so many different people? Uh, John answered quite, quite uh, winsomely, and he said, you know, Jesus was multifaceted, no doubt about it. On one hand, he's a first century Galilean, but on the other hand, he had this kind of massive global view, this uni- universalist kind of view. Um, He was a fiery preacher, and yet he's famous for uh, saying, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And so John was kind of answering the question by saying, look, over time, people have picked their kind of favorite Jesus and run with that, whereas as a historian, we're trying to hold all the facets together. Now, what John was advocating as a historian should be something that all of us as Christians are doing. We are built up upon Christ, upon all the facets, upon his being, who he is in his being, all of his teaching, and all of the New Testament teaching about Christ, all of the Old Testament. And Paul indicates this further when he, when he says, established in the faith just as you were taught. The result of all this, having been rooted in Christ, built up in him, established in the faith, is that we will overflow with thankfulness. What a joyous church we shall be as we continue living in Christ together. I want to finish with a prayer based on what Paul starts with Uh, his own prayer at the beginning of this letter to the Colossians. Um, It's from chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. It's up there on the screen. Have a read of that to yourself. And think of how it relates to our reading today, uh, to what we've heard. And you'll see there's this great consistency through all of Paul's uh, teaching. And then I'll pray. Father, please fill us with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, as a church, as individuals, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to you, our Father, that you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of your holy people in the kingdom of light. In our Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.